Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. If you have a, quote, sinus infection, get yourself one of those nasal douches. Tell them it's going to be a rock and roll. that comment from Randy Tobler yesterday, you should definitely go back and check out the show. Of course, we are live on YouTube and Facebook this morning and you can catch, I think Hannah made a reel of it and it is I did. It needed to exist on the wake up timeline as its own post. It just had to happen. It did. All right. Well, it's painful. Let's just be honest. If you are watching on YouTube or Facebook, you will see a new face in the studio. I want to introduce you to Grant Norfleet. Now, he just had a major accomplishment, uh, was elected as a national FFA officer, and Hannah was telling me about it, and she was so amped up, and I I don't think I fully appreciated. (laughs) You definitely did not, because I was disappointed you didn't share the hype. What a huge (laughs) deal this was and she always gives me so much grief when Mark is in the studio and how we nerd out over lawyer stuff and the two of you for were just sure totally nerding out about all of the FFA stuff now and Hannah loves to tell us about FFA but tell me how you got your start in FFA Grant yeah so I am from Mexico Missouri grew up born and raised Audrain County and my dad actually teaches diesel technology uh, through the Career Center in Mexico so I always grew up with the agriculture building um, in the agriculture classroom right across the hall and I remember sitting with my dad. I was in eighth grade. We were filling out the course request form for my freshman year schedule. And dad's like, hey, you've got an open spot. I think you should take agriculture science one and join FFA. Try it for a semester, a year. You don't like it. You're not going to hurt my feelings. And once I started, I was hooked. I had a great mentor uh, who was a senior when I was a freshman. She kind of took me under her wing and just kind of really showed me what FFA has for students and how we can uh, benefit ourselves and benefit our communities. And uh, since then, you know, the rest is history, I'd say so. So once I jumped in, I was just hooked. Well, and you served as a state officer first, right? Yeah. So I served as a state officer in 2021, 2022, uh, when I was a freshman in college. Uh, so I've been going on about seven years in the blue jacket. Wow. Well, and we were getting to know you a little bit here during the break. And you I didn't realize that this for this office, you actually have to take a break from Mizzou. You're not in school right now. No, so a professional. What did you call it? A professional leave of absence. Yes, a professional <laughs> leave of absence is what the university is calling it. So I'm going to take a gap year to serve uh, the National Fit Organization, and I'll return in 2025 and graduate in May. So tell us about that work. What are you doing over the next year? So the National Fit Organization is the uh, nation's largest student-led youth organization with uh, about 945,000 members across all 50 states, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands. Um, and then there's six national FA officers, just like we have local officers at our chapter level. Our maybe 
state or regional officers as well. And so in that organization um, and in this role, my teammates and I are going to get to travel across the country, uh, meet with students uh, in their home communities. Uh, between the six of us, we'll visit all 50 state conventions. Uh, but first and foremost, we are the student voice for a national organization. So we serve on the board of directors, uh, get to pass policy and make uh, different uh, varieties of decisions and help represent the student voice since we are kind of out in the field um, and report back to those board of directors who are adult and industry leaders within agricultural education. Uh, but other than that, we get to be, meet with business and industry leaders who are supporters and sponsors of National FFA. And then we also do a little bit of work um, at the local level, getting to meet chapters and uh, go inside their schools and visit with them. Well, and obviously to be one of six students represented to, or chosen to represent 945,000 FFA students, tell us about the interview process to become a national officer because it seems really intense and it's several rounds and it's very long, right? Oh, for sure. I definitely would say intense is the exact word to uh, describe this process. It's about an eight day interview process. Um, after your, the candidacy for your state. So each state association can select up to one individual to represent their state at National FA convention. We had 35 candidates uh, interviewed this year and the process is going to encompass anything you might encounter as a National FA officer. So, uh, we interview in front of nine nominating committee members, which are all nine students about my age. So about 20, 2021. Um, and they are going to interview us in a variety of simple interviews. So, you know, personal interview questions, one-on-one -on -one interviews with each of the nominating committee members, um, stand and deliver speech preparation, workshop facilitation in front of students, um, or even things like media interviews like we're doing right here that uh, we might encumper with, encompass with the media. Um, and then ag issue discussions with industry individuals as well. So really a well-rounded experience to get to know not only the individual you are as a leader, but uh, the representative you'll be for FFA agriculture and the education. So what was it like finding out like and how oh, did you oh the video i love the video <laughs> it's so dramatic for no reason it's like they want it's like they win a grammy when they're announced it's so fun every year to watch the national ffa officers be announced at national convention there's usually lots of tears too it's so fun <laughs> yes lots of tears for sure um i remember my state executive secretary coming up to me afterwards and she's like maybe when you retire this year you won't be such an ugly crier <laughs> <laughs> but they play like you know, the chair of the nominating committee comes out and he's like, we've given careful and deliberate consideration to all candidates running for national office. And like, they start playing like the infamous Chicago Bulls theme song. And like, that like is triggering for like FFA members <laughs> across this country now because they do it at national officer election and a lot of states do it as well. So like, we all stand up as candidates and like, we're standing in the audience and like, we're waiting for like our name to hopefully be called and they only pick six so it's like very nerve-wracking and for most of us like that could very well be our last time in official dress and at a national convention as an ffa member so vying for one more year of experience in the organization can be a little bit challenging a little bit nerve-wracking and i definitely was feeling the tears in the moment for sure <laughs> how many people ultimately stand up you know it's it's interesting you said that the, everybody stands up how many people stand up and is it by spot you do run by position so you know you're the secretary does it you stand up with everybody else who wants that position? So we interview as a group of 35, go through the whole process, and there's regions. So there's four regions in the United States that make up FFA, Eastern, Western, Southern, and Central. And there's one vice president on the team from each of those regions. So I'm not eligible for the Western region vice president, but I'm eligible for president and secretary, and so is everybody else. So technically, you're eligible for half of the position. So you kind of are just waiting, and when they announce each position, you know if you're eligible or not. So I wasn't called for central region vice president, and they do vice presidents first, and I thought it was over. I was like, all right, pack my bags. I want to go home. Like, let's drive back to Missouri. <laughs> uh, but then, like, I held on just a little bit longer, and they called me for secretary.
That's amazing. Well, what is so you're you're going to spend your year with a national FFA and then you're going to come back to Mizzou for a bit. What's your degree in? Like, what's next for you? Yeah, so I am a senior at the University of Missouri studying agricultural education and leadership. And right now, the plan was to either get elected or graduate college. And so I'm putting <laughs> a college on school for a little or a, a pause on school for a little bit. But I'm going to um, graduate in May of 2025 with my degree program. And right now I'm really looking at going to grad school, uh, getting something, a master's in either agricultural education or instructional design. I'm a huge fan of learning. I think it's really, really important that we recognize how everybody learns a little bit differently. And I want to kind of go into program and curriculum development and see how we can uh, better engage learners in a variety of ways uh, through instructional learning models. Well, and one of the things that I love to try to educate folks about FFA is you don't have to come from a farming background to join FFA. So if there's any kiddos listening this morning, uh, I did not come from any type of ag background. Growing up in Centralia, you're in a, you know, a agricultural area and I knew lots of folks who had farms, but I myself had no experience in those things. Uh, my best friend who was one year older than me, my freshman year, dragged me to an FFA meeting and basically forced me to join and I ended up falling in love with it and there's so much more to the ag industry than just you know row row crop farming or raising livestock and I'm really thankful to FFA for kind of opening my eyes to other things that are out there and now I'm using my you know, agriculture degree from Mizzou to push buttons on the radio. In so. media. Well, I've seen that picture of you, Hannah, with that duck on a leash. And when I, I, I <laughs> so I've seen that picture. And, oh, yeah. and I think that was something FFA related. But no, and I think, Grant, you mentioned public speaking. And I know the FFA chapter in Ashland, for example, is super involved with the chamber. So can you talk for those? And, you know, I've got a lot. I'm in the parent uh, in my parent era. And so I know we've got a lot of parents listening. You know, I, I don't know that I would necessarily push my kid into FFA because I don't have a farming background and I would think maybe I'm not equipped to help them with that. But talk about those other things for it, that, you know, folks in business can use that you've that you've learned in FFA. So I think what we need to remember first and foremost that FFA, yes, is rooted in agriculture and is an agricultural based organization for youth. But our mode of transportation to get students leadership skills prepared for their career to make impact in their community is through agricultural education. So we could be doing this through anything. We could be doing it through health sciences. We can be doing it through culinary arts, but like agriculture is the motive that we've chosen for our organization. And so regardless, if you have an agricultural background or not, Joining an agricultural education class will, yes, not only get you knowledge to be an informed consumer and make those right decisions and become an advocate for agriculture, but joining FFA is going to prepare students to not only grow themselves as a leader, prepare them to be successful in any career that they choose in or outside of agriculture, but ultimately just helps them be, I would like to say, a functioning member of society. And so FFA has, um, we all have record books, so we keep records for all the projects oh that we have. Oh my gosh. So I'm sure the that bane you... of my existence. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I'm sure. I, I was never happy whenever it was record book day in class but keeping our records has been something that's been really important to me we have career development events and leadership development events that help students try on different hats so maybe they're wanting to pursue a career um, in agriculture I know Hannah and I were talking earlier about the infamous dairy cattle judging contest <laughs> that um, Mr. Scott Stone from Centralia yeah. loves so much thank you for uh, forcing me to do that Mr. Stone and so it's a variety of experiences that get students involved whether that's job interview skills whether that's just simple public speaking um, or even community service at the local level engaging students at the local community the organization makes such an impact on a student's lives i think that we often omit that 
it's a little bit more than just an agriculture-based organization because we're preparing students for a successful career and a successful role in society in and outside of agriculture, regardless of um, their interests or aspirations or connections to the agriculture industry. And one of the unique things about FFA that not many other school extracurriculars can say is, I forget the exact word for it, but FFA can be a part of classroom curriculum. What's the word I'm looking for, Grant? So the word is intracurricular. So I like oh, to describe. I, I was I was this close. It's another big word. Lots of syllables <laughs> there, yes. Hannah. Big word. <laughs> but for those folks at home listening, I kind of like to describe FFA and agricultural education a little bit like Netflix. And so uh, when you subscribe to Netflix, you don't just subscribe to one movie or one TV show. You subscribe to all of the Rolodex of movies and stuff that's in there. And the same goes for agricultural education. So there's about three circles that uh, we focus students on. That's classroom. So typical things like butts and seats. What are we? Learning in the instructional classroom or laboratory area with our agricultural educator. Then we have FFA, which is our leadership component of the organization, and that's mixed within the things we're learning in the classroom. And then our third component is our supervised agricultural experience programs. And every FFA member in the country has at least one SAE program or something. My ducks. Your ducks, for example. <laughs> um, and that's a project that ties them to agriculture, and that can be um, working at a local um, veterinary clinic, um, raising um, their own livestock or own crops, um, or even having agriculture science research or um, internship experiences like that that help them prepare for a career. So, you know, obviously we have the, the FFA chapters that are in schools. There's a lot of kids that are homeschooled now. Can they participate in FFA? And if so, how do they go about doing that? So homeschooling students, that's um, a bit more of a challenge when we look at FFA because FFA is through to be a member of FFA, you have to be enrolled in an agricultural education course. So um, in the state of Missouri, it's all kind of based statewide. So um, I think right now what that looks like is students, if their local school district that they live in has an FFA program, they can attend classes uh, at that school and work that out at the school district. Um, if they do not have an FFA program, Missouri actually just launched this year their first um, online agriculture education program. Um, it is called Launch FFA and it is through Springfield. And so students can take agricultural education classes online and join um, an online cohort of students wanting to do experiences um, in the FFA program. Um, but they'll compete in person for different competitions in the regional events in the Springfield area, regardless of what part of the state they live in. Yeah, I know from personal experience, my kids come home and they're never talking about, you know, long division or math, but they will tell me what they've grown and eaten in learning garden. And so it's been, uh, they're still young, but it's been impactful. And I wouldn't be surprised if they they take an interest and end up in FFA. So Grant, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, We wish you safe travels back to Indianapolis and a wonderful year serving the FFA. We are, as Missourians, so proud to have a Missourian on the national board. And we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks you guys so much for having me. It's been a blast. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get an exclusive look behind the scenes of the show by watching on YouTube. Search Wake Up Mid-Missouri. It's 725-ish, which means it's... Um, it's 727. But I get a free pass because we were talking about FFA. I, yeah, okay, this actually will be the one time that I... Don't get you a, give you a hard time for it because I give you grief for nerding out. I was slightly nerding out about FFA stuff with Grant Norfleet. So I will, I will give you a pass on this one. Thank you. I've got a, a travel nightmare story for you, Stephanie, because... 
I know how much you enjoy hearing those. Other than the little kid that went to the wrong, that got on the wrong plane. Yeah. And, you know, as much as you fly, I just, I want to make sure you're aware of things that could go wrong. (laughs) Because I'm sure you really appreciate thinking about that while you're, you know, flying through the air at thousands of feet. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a Russian passenger plane. That may answer the question right there. (laughs) (laughs) And this Russian passenger plane somehow just accidentally landed on a frozen river. They thought they were at their destination. It turns out they were sitting on top of a a frozen river. So not exactly where they wanted to end up. Um, I don't know, Stephanie, if you're flying over any rivers anytime soon. An ocean. Oh, well, okay. The ocean would be a little easier to identify, probably. (laughs) Um, But luckily, it went without incident for the most part. Um, they were able to figure out their error and move the plane in time, but kind of scary. Find out you landed on a frozen river. That's terrifying. I mean, what are these people doing? Don't the planes basically fly themselves at this point? It's Russia. Come on. <laughs> there was, however, there was a, there was a couple of years ago, there was a plane that was going to Springfield Branson, which, you know, that airport says Springfield Branson. Yep. And it landed in Branson instead. Oopsie. And I think it was like a frontier plane or something like that. But it was a big plane. It was big enough. The airport there was big enough for the plane to land. But not take off. But not take off. Aww. So they ended up having a stranded jet that they had to go do no. so stuff. Because so. that Springfield Branson Airport's actually in Springfield. Yeah. For the and it's part. a big airport. It's actually a pretty nice airport. Wow. Yeah. It, it, Columbia might be competing with it now, but it's yeah. kind of similar to the new COU terminal. All right. Up next, we are going to be joined by Scott Fawn since we won't have his regular segment on Monday. But we're going to hear what he thinks the biggest stories for out of the state legislature for 2023 were. Saying whatever we want. Wake up in Missouri. This is Stephanie Bell. I am joined by Mark Ellinger this morning. Good morning, y'all. And Brian Houseworth is here. It's good to see you. Good morning and happy new year. Of course, we've got producer Hannah. And Brian, uh, can you give us a quick update? Uh, we're having, if you haven't looked outside, yes. it is beautiful, first of all, um, and the roads are wet. I didn't have any trouble getting in, but Mark said, especially down in Jeff City, that the snow was coming down qu- quite a bit. Yeah, and, and there were a couple of bridge decks that actually had a little bit of snow. It was 31, 32 degrees. It was kind of fluctuating in between, but that was a couple hours. Ago, what so. should we expect as we uh, continue the workday today, Basically, Brian? yeah, thanks, guys. And uh, Mark's absolutely right. There are areas in Jeff City that have had as much as two inches of snow. Some areas may get a little bit more than that. Columbia, Jeff City, Fulton, Boonville, uh, depending on where you're at. And again, if you've got a, a, a what's the text line, by the way? I'd like... Five seven three eight seven four ninety three ninety. That's uh, and I've, I've, that's the phone number. But you can text that as well. And uh, and I would encourage people if they have snow totals to let us know. And particularly the town you're in, I'd like to get some of those. Columbia and Jeff City. I talked to Jared Maples this morning, and at the time this was five o'clock this morning, they had received about an inch to an inch and a half of snow. Jeff City one point two five inches. And you both were absolutely right. It started coming down about seven o'clock last night, maybe closer to nine in Jefferson City. 
Tuesday. And uh, basically what Jared's expecting is he's expecting the snow to linger all morning. So during the morning drive, the good news is the schools are out right now. Uh, and continuing into early this afternoon, it's going to taper off. But just give yourself some extra time. I did see a lot of crew members out this morning. People were driving pretty slow. But again, be very careful. There are some slick spots and definitely on some, as Mark said, so we ride some bridges as well. But definitely it's going to continue into the afternoon. Well, and it's making me jealous of all the people I saw that were headed to Dallas this week. I saw a lot of people road tripping and my some of the best stuff i saw on social media yesterday was just pictures of all of the tiger fans in town there seemed to be a ton of tiger fans in dallas and we will be talking with fred perry at eight ten. he is there at the cotton bowl uh anything you think we can expect tonight brian you know i'll be on the network tonight on uh, the central bank tiger radio network from learfield so i look forward to talking to everybody on kws and across the state uh, some other states as well on the on the mizzou broadcast uh, two real big things that I'd say. Number one, Ohio State, Mark's spot on. They had a heartbreaking loss to Michigan, 30-24. to 24. But their backups, even these guys, a couple opt-outs, if you will, their backups, are they could start at just about any program. And Devin Brown, I really am impressed with their quarterback. He is really, really good. Their defense gives up 11 points a game, second best in the country. But what they do, you're going to notice this tonight, folks. Watch the television. Don't watch the ball tonight. Watch the television and watch the Ohio State defense. They're going to run a 4-2. They're going to put those safeties right on the line. They do that all the time. they got lightning bolt speed. The, The issue for Mizzou, if they can get Cody Schrader to break that line, he can bust it. He has ability to do it. But they're that confident in their tackling ability, Mark, they're going to stack the box. But they and they you know they were lucky against Blake Corum that they were able to contain him. Um, I would also point out one other thing. There was a coach back in nineteen seventy six, the only Mizzou football coach to ever beat Ohio State. His name was Al Onofrio. I used to call him Uncle Al. I think most of the fans did as well. But that was maybe one of the biggest upsets ever. In 1975, when Mizzou beat Alabama at Alabama, was pretty. Well, there was dark. a Notre Dame upset in there too. 78, yeah. Joe Montana. That's right. South Bend, three to nothing. But uh, Onofrio was the Giant Slayer coach and a decorated World War II veteran. So I'll be thinking about him tonight. And his two sons, when he passed away, I think it was Mike and John. I know they lived here in Columbia. I don't know if they're still alive right now. They could be. They'd be getting up there in age. But uh, definitely Al, Uncle Al's on my mind today. It should be a great game. Uh, it's, you know, Ohio State's one of those two or three teams in the country that can play SEC type of football. Yes. You remember last year they made it to the uh, playoffs and they lost a last minute game to Georgia. Georgia, who went on to beat TCU by, right. I don't know, by, by an arm and a leg. I mean, by like 50 points or something. Uh, so it's a really good team. It's a real challenge. Um, across the board, everybody they have could start it any school in the nation except for maybe Alabama and Georgia. I, absolutely. It's that good a talent level. The, that good a talent level. And Ryan Day, their coach, has been, people may not know this, but he recruits the state of Missouri. They've got a guy named Travion Henderson. I do expect I do expect a lot of these guys. Ohio State's website still says a lot of this is going to be game time decision. I do think you'll see some of their big guys play in their, um, you know, but again, Mizzou's had a fantastic season. I just, I think everybody's going to enjoy it. And Mark, you're 
spot on the cost of those tickets. Goodness, goodness gracious. Well, we saw uh, folks, and we've been kind of covering uh, year-end recaps, and I'm a sucker for these. I just love seeing what people Googled, uh, what you know, what other people think the highlights of 2023 were, what the uh, best movies were. I just, I love a good list. Um, and so <laughs> I realized we have a data center at our, or a data set in our possession in that we have the KWOS and the Eagle website. So I asked Hannah, I said, hey, can you check on those stats and let me know what were what were our like top stories? What were people thinking about? And and some of them were really hilarious. <laughs> you guys have an interesting set of uh, what you're interested in. Um, and so uh, local stories, Hannah, do you remember like what the top story out of Jeff City was? Um, I don't remember the top one, but one of the top ones, one of the top ones was uh it involved chocolate milk oh yeah that oh, guy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a guy who crashed his car into i believe it was a break time yep because he just wanted a little bit of chocolate milk and, and one of the reasons he got busted was because they went to this guy's house that they thought it might have been and he still had chocolate milk in the back seat of his car that was still cool to the touch <laughs> <laughs> and uh the for uh, columbia one of the bigger stories was when the um columbia public schools took a bunch of students to a drag performance oh, at the breakfast and that was one of our top stories uh on the eagle website this year um and of course uh, stirred up a lot of controversy here in columbia and with city officials there tipping if you recall the um the, the drag queens in front of the students uh, was um, not just a local story that made national news and the national news got a lot of the facts not quite correct um you know a lot, some of the details they just didn't you know that's that's the problem when you're not here we were here we reported it accurately and the local media by and large did as well but i mean they they had some things in the national media quite frankly wrong but involved a drag show involved yes. a drag show and uh the mayor was involved in that. Uh, the uh, Dr. Yearwood took enormous criticism. The attorney general, um, Andrew Bailey, actually on this show called for Yearwood to be fired. He did. It was a big deal. Yeah, also, like that would ever happen at a Columbia School District. Getting <laughs> fired because of anything that was progressive. Also, uh, and he, of course, still has his job. Yeah. Probably got a promotion and a raise on top of it. And I think about around that same time, another thing uh, that was a local story, but also obviously made national news, was the Chinese spy balloon, which oh, flew yeah. right over mid-Missouri. Our wake-up family member, Jennifer Bukowski, kind of went viral on Fox News because she got a really good photo of it over her home, and they aired it all over. And sometimes you'll still see it on fox news um so a lot of uh, really interesting local stories now on the state level mark what would you say are some of the top stories coming out of the state legislature state politics uh well i mean you got to think about i-70 being funded i think that's the biggest story that's the biggest story in the last few years i yes. think from uh it's something i don't think we ever thought would get done i mean we all wanted it i think we we're all pessimistic about it and well it's not done yet Thanks. Well, thanks to the governor and, and to Senator Lincoln Huff. I mean, they managed to come up with a way to come up with $2.9 billion to do something that, you know, maybe they were going to get 100 or 200 or 300 million here and there to get it done. And they got it done in one fell swoop. And, you know, the last thing I saw, they expect within five years for that project to basically be done. Yes. It's going to start here. I do agree with that. That had to be the biggest one. I also would add two other things. Um, and that was very bipartisan.
bipartisan. We should point out uh, David Tyson Smith and a lot of Democrat, Doug Mann from Columbia, although the rest of the reps around mid-Missouri are all Republican, but in Columbia, several Democrats, and they did vote for that and join the governor there. I would, I think the NIL bill signing ceremony, Mark, I, it, not quite as big as I-70, I know, but for Mizzou fans, it was a big deal. I was there the day the governor signed it at Faroe. I think that was a big deal. And I think the Senate blowing up, the Missouri Senate blowing up is probably too strong a term, but just a meltdown, basically. Dumpster during the, fire. Yeah. During the final week um, where where Bill Eigel basically, you know, he didn't feel like he had been treated right. And he talked and read out of books. And then Mike Moon read out of books. Um that was a uh, that that really was a a big deal and uh, and I think Senator Eigel certainly certainly mentioned that he felt like he should have gotten you know his bills heard earlier but we'll see what happens but things things don't uh, based on what Cindy O'Laughlin said yesterday on our show. Um, not so sure things have been smoothed over. She kind of indicated she was kind of irked with um, some members of her caucus, although she didn't say any names. She wasn't naming names yet, but those names are going to be come flying really quickly as our legislative session is set to open in less than a week. Other things I think that are on the top of my list, uh, you know, obviously the transgender issues dominated the first part of uh, the session. And I talked yesterday and uh, with Scott Fawn on the midweek update, which you can catch um, about that. And then as well, I think marijuana legalization, I think it's greatly outpaced um, the revenue that they thought they were going to see. And I think we're going to see that trend continue. Um, the other thing uh, that I think had statewide impact that was really big for Missouri this year was Kim Gardner's resignation. Mm-hmm. Anything else on your list, Mark? No, That's I mean, you know, I think, look, just the the fact that we have um, incredibly active primaries already for ev- basically every statewide office mm-hmm. that's up has significantly contested primaries and a real divide. Yeah, something I think this uh, Freedom Caucus that's come out of the Senate actually has, um, and Stephanie probably gets more kudos for this than anybody, mm-hmm. because she called it early on, you're now seeing effectively a slate mm-hmm. of statewide candidates that are running basically as a Freedom Caucus slate, um, most of whom have little to no name ID, but as a slate, that gives them a lot of power and an ability to change things. I mean, I think that's looking into 2024, but that's been a huge sea change that's just occurred in the last couple of months here in Missouri that will have impact for a long period of time. And I would add, I was at the courthouse, the Boone County Courthouse, quite a bit for uh, local sentencings, and I'm not sure, I, I, I can't really pick one case that uh, that would be bigger. They were all big. A lot of more homicide cases, and uh, you know, some were guilty pleas, and some uh, ended up going to trial. But um, the one that grabbed my attention the most was Bobby Dawson being sentenced. And I was in the courtroom that day. You talked, Stephanie. You you know Judge Divine, Judge Josh Divine. Mm-hmm. There were three spectators in the courtroom who were thrown out, ejected when I was at the sentencing. They were well, the, you would not believe the language these people in the audience were using. I can't repeat it on the air. We'd be fined. Um, it, it was horrendous. And then a guy on video was using foul language as well. It was it was horrible. He had to kick three people out of the courtroom. Um, chaotic sentencing. He, Judge Devine was so flustered, he told the audience, I was in there too, he said, if there's one more outburst, I'll clear the entire courtroom. But they actually had to escort people 
to their cars. And that barely got any. In fact, I was the only reporter in the courtroom. I don't know that anybody else even reported it. But I thought that was a big deal. That was a killing on Quail Drive. The guy maintained his innocence, said he didn't do it. But somebody behind me, a woman, said, yeah, you killed their, 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 the kids' mother. So that was one that I'll never forget. And we've had a lot of really high profile trials. And of course, with what we've seen lately, there's some cold cases that, you know, potentially have some breakthroughs. So this next year, if we're talking about what we might predict or anticipate, I think we're going to see a lot more on that criminal front here in Midmo. And uh, Gypsy Blanchard, that's a national story down in Springfield. You look, take a look at the Cincinnati Inquirer. I don't know if this has been reported in Missouri yet. Gypsy Blanchard said she's going to be at the Chiefs game on, on Sunday at Arrowhead (laughs) and she wants to meet Taylor Swift. That would be if if that happens you can only imagine the media coverage that would get but i don't know if taylor swift's people would yeah it's I, probably not gonna happen yeah. I, I don't i don't think that is that booth or that that box she sits in in the public get in there i don't know no okay. no because no. she's that's where she wants to go <laughs> of course so so do i hey taylor <laughs> i i'd like to sit in the box this weekend is that all i have to say right uh okay well, yeah, we've yeah, got to do some time and get paroled and <laughs> <laughs> we've got sam on the phone welcome to Wake up mid-Missouri, Sam. Well, good morning. Unless I missed it, you guys did not mention the biggest news story of 2023. Producer, Han- Producer Hannah got married. Oh, oh there yay. you go. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah. Hannah. Thanks. And you guys are probably glad that I'm not talking about wedding planning every two <laughs> seconds now. I'm sure folks enjoyed the wedding coverage, um, and we like to enjoy all stages of life. Thanks for calling in, Sam. That is a big deal. Of course, um, we've had a lot of fun on the show and a lot of um, celebrations, and it's so great we get to share it all with you. So thanks for joining us this morning, Sam. Up next, we are going to do, and that would be all except for this, this time with Hannah. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Words do matter when it comes to these guys. Welcome to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. And that would be all, except for this. Never fear, John Marsh will be back on Tuesday. Along with a big announcement yeah. at 710 that we hope you will all join us for. He uh, he decided that he wanted to be here for the big announcement, so we appreciate that, John, and we miss you. <laughs> this segment misses you, and I can't do it as well as John, but I'm going to try today. Okay. I found a list of the 10 oddest competitions in the world, mm. and you've maybe heard of a couple of these, but I bet you have not heard of all of them. Uh, one of the ones on the list that we have heard of is the World's Ugliest Dog Contest. <laughs> that one takes place here in the States in California. Um, we've also got a bird calling competition that the Homer Brewing Company puts on in Homer, Alaska. Never heard of that one. There's a United States Mullet Championship, which I hate with every fiber of my being. I like a mullet. I think that's fun. Of course I, you do. Because I think you're from Centralia. You'd love mullets. No! <laughs> I, You know, I take offense to that. I would take Morgan Wallen with a mullet any day over the shaved head, whatever he's got now. He was cute with the mullet. You it like, looks terrible You now. had a whole day of mourning, I think, when Morgan Wallen so cut sad. off all his hair. I just am not a mullet fan. I think too many people try to pull it off, and only very few people can. There is a heavy metal knitting world championship 
in Finland, uh, and literally they knit to the sounds of heavy metal. <laughs> yeah, um, the World Wife Carrying Championships, also Ooh. in Finland, and I've actually seen videos of this one floating around on the web every year, and it's literally just to see who can carry their wife through an obstacle course the fastest. I feel like you could get humbled pretty pretty quickly by that one. There's also a World Gravy Wrestling Championships in England and they literally wrestle in a like a kiddie pool full of Lancashire gravy. That sounds disgusting. Yeah. Sounds like the old Jello wrestling days. Yeah, like something a fraternity would do. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> Ten of the weirdest competitions in the world. I think it was in stripes. They had Jello wrestling. Oh, maybe in our in our at Truman State they had like a watermelon thing where you just like played games with watermelon all day. I don't know, but gravy wrestling sounds like something a fraternity would put on. You know, these leave it things, to the Engli- right? leave it to the English to come uh. up with gravy wrestling. It's the only thing that saves their food sometimes. <laughs> That's a fair point. That's a fair point. All right, up next we're going to talk to Fred Perry, who was in Dallas for the Cotton Bowl.